one constant in college rugby is change. And there has been monumental changes in the last 15 years. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the next edition of the FCC podcast. I am your host and commissioner, Kirk Swanner. Joining us today, we have uh, the coach everyone loves to hate, Mr. Evan Haig. We also have a very special guest joining us today as well, uh, former president extraordinaire, um, wonderful rugby player, now at the 404 Academy uh, up in Atlanta, Mr. Murray Alford. Murray, how you doing, sir? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. You know, the thing we want to talk about today is uh, student leadership, uh, the importance of student leadership, and then how to like actually make it work well. So uh, just a bit of background about yourself, Murray. Uh, you know, how did you end up at USF and what made you want to be the president? Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, just a little bit of background about how, how you got into the admin side of things there at USF. Yeah, for sure. So to start off with uh, how I ended up at USF, Kind of took the roundabout way after high school to end up back there. I, I took a year off after high school, and and I decided, you know, I actually do need to go to university. And when I was in high school, I played rugby with Tampa Crew up in Tampa, and a lot of my Tampa Crew teammates ended up going to USF and playing for USF. So I reached out to a couple of them, and uh, one in particular, Jordan Haggard, reached back out to me and said, "Hey, man, I'm looking for a roommate. If you want to, if you want a room with me." So that's how I ended up at USF. Um, it, it was a number of guys that I'd already been playing with rugby that, that played there, and uh, it was about an hour and a half from where I lived. So it ended up pretty pretty well, just location-wise. And then as far as getting into the administrative stuff, I, uh, I've i always wanted to be um, a leader, whether it be on the field or off the field. I feel like that's just part of part of who I am. My, my personality is uh, take initiative. And uh, I remember, I think it was my the start of my second semester at USF, so second semester of my freshman year, they were talking about exec board. And I was like, what the heck is exec board? And they said, yeah, well, we're doing elections and we're going to elect president. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds pretty cool. That sounds like, you know, maybe captain of the team. And, uh, and then I started talking with the, the current, the president at the time, Ryan Bridehan, about it. I was like, oh, this is like, this is the position if you want to lead the team, this is where you lead it from. He basically told me, yeah. So, um we had team elections. I put my name in the hat and kind of gave a little bit of an intro about who I am and why I thought I'd make a good president. And next thing I know, I was president for two and a half years. So that's, so you, that's how I got into the administrative side. So you were you were there for one year, and then you became the president your second year. So your second, your third yeah, year, right. and half of your fourth year. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll say half my fourth year because that, that was kind of weird. That was when COVID hit. Okay, and that was the Marty Brad, uh, Matt Bradley year, right? When, when Matt uh, came in as president, it was just kind of trying to help him out with COVID because I don't think anyone really knew what was going on at that point. Right. Okay. And then, uh, so we had COVID, and then the twenty the the year the twenty threes, you were playing with Crew, and then uh, you graduated this past fall. That's why you were able to play. Um, in the sevens tournament, right? You graduated this fall. Now yep. you're up in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Correct. Correct. All right. Got it. Yeah. Like, um, how, so that first year that you were the president, how much was like learning? Um, and then the second and third year, like how much easier were those, were those second and third years as a president? Yeah. That, that first year, um, it was quite nice because, uh, we had Gordon Campbell, our uh, head coach, and who later became the director of rugby and who has since retired. He's, he's uh, 
one of those coaches, the, the same one that you introduced, Evan. I think uh, he's one of those coaches that you love to hate. He, he's just been he's been around the rugby circuit for so long. Everyone knows him, and because of how long he's been around, he's got a tremendous wealth of knowledge. So, my my first year of president was yeah, there was a lot of information coming at me. It was kind of like trying to drink water through a fire hose, if that makes sense. It was just a there was just a lot, and I'm very grateful for Gordon because he helped me kind of handle it and like deal with it. And I think. I think the big thing that he helped me with the most was understanding the administrative side of things. And uh, then as, as that first year kind of got done, um, going into that second year, I had, a, I had a lot better understanding of what I needed to do and what needed to get done to run a club successfully. And I, I think uh, it, it showed with uh, my per- in my personal life, I think it showed I was a lot less stressed because I wasn't as worried about stuff because I knew how to get it done. And then also mm-hmm. on, on like... On the team side of things, Murray, what would you say were the, the hardest things to learn in that kind of first year? Because I think we get a lot of first year presidents, and most of them wash mm-hmm. out and don't really continue on. We see we see a lot of turnover occur, right, in presidents across the across the league. So what what were the biggest things? Like obviously having Gordon is a huge asset. I, I couldn't agree with him more. I even used him when I first started coaching at UCF as a confidant and someone who could help me with the administrative problems. Yeah, so uh, biggest thing that I learned, um, uh, this is actually something that Gordon taught me, and I think it's it's a pretty good, uh, if you're wanting to get into any sort of leadership role, I think this is a pretty good uh, uh, lesson to learn. It was don't be afraid to step on people's toes because you, you can't be the nice guy every time. If you need if you need results and you need things done, you've got to, you've got to, like, just clamp down on, on people around you or else you end up with too much of the load. So Gordon really, I'd say that that was the big thing was just learning how to how to delegate and also how to not try and take the load on by yourself, how to get people to help you with it. So I think that would probably be the, the biggest lesson that I learned my my first year as president was just you know take initiative but also delegate because those people are there to help you. So how do you find a balance? So that that is a really good point. You know, like. Don't be afraid to step on people's toes. My question is, is what would happen if someone was just non-responsive? What would you do? Like there's a balance yeah. there between, you know, not just taking on all the load yourself and delegating, but then like if you're delegating and there's, and there's non-response, what would you do in that situation? Okay, so if, if I'm delegating to my own exec board and my own exec board aren't getting stuff done, uh, obviously what, whatever I'm delegating means that... Um, it needed to get done. So I'll take the initiative and do it myself or get someone else to help me with it. And that, that guy got a warning. And if you got two warnings, the third strike, you're out. Two strikes, three, then you're out. And then we would uh, boot him from exec board and bring someone else in. And all, all of our exec board positions are voted in by the club. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is you, you have to kind of, for example, let's say uh, Matt Secretary's coming up. We need, we need someone to fill in that match secretary role. We'll open it up to the club and be like, hey, guys, this is a role that we need. If you feel like this is a good fit for you, we'll give them the list of responsibilities that they would have. we say, listen, if you think this is a good fit, come on up and tell us why, why you think, and we'll vote on it as a team and see if that's something you need. So if I again, not that this happened, but let's just say one of my match sex wasn't, wasn't uh, scheduling B-side games or getting our fields done and uh, like getting our fields scheduled, the first time that happened, hey man, that's not cool. 
that, that's that's going to hurt the team. So I'll pick up the slack. Second time it happens, uh, you kind of come down a little bit, a little bit harder. Third time it happens, it's like, okay, man, clearly something's going on with you. You can't get this job done or find someone else. So you're, you're the one doing the discipline on that or is that dictated a little bit through the Gordon and the, and the yeah, the, you know, the, the coach leadership or is that mainly dealt with you uh, from your standpoint? Yeah. Okay. So that, that discipline would be coming from the exec board. The coaches, uh, this, this is going to sound kind of bad, but you, you know, the saying crap flows down, right? So the Shit coaches, flows downhill. Yeah. Them in, yeah, exactly. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was a lot of cuss. <laughs> um, but so what would happen is like, for example, if we didn't get a field, Gordon would come to me because I'm the president and just like unload on me. And because at the end of the day, it is, it is my responsibility. Like uh, uh, you're the president of the team. You have the final say of it. So he comes to me, unloads on me. I go to the guy and then take it from there. But so the coaches never directly went after the person. If, if something went wrong, they came to the president and then the president went to the exec board, if that made sense. If that makes well, sense. But, ultimately, the, the, the coaches are pretty engaged at that point. They're like, all right, Mario, I need this sorted out. This is unacceptable, da, da, da. So, I suppose kind of back it up a little bit too there, like at the beginning, so let's say whenever you do your elections, is everybody made aware of the disciplinary process up front? Like you tell everybody, hey, it's three strikes and you're out, you fuck up three times, you're out. Or is it, hey, listen, as the course of listening, you screwed up twice, you got one more opportunity and, and then then you're out. Like how, how does that, how would that work? Were you guys really clear at the beginning or was it kind of, kind of dealt with on the fly? Yeah, so once once our exec board was elected, so once all the positions were filled, we had a meeting. Like, So all of our uh, new exec officers, they get elected the week before spring break because you, you get elected as an officer to be an officer for the following year, correct? So we do it in March, the week before spring break. So you get that tail end of that second semester. So you have that old person there with you to kind of groom you into the position, and then you start in the fall by yourself. I'm so, glad you brought that right up, Murray. I'm glad you brought that up because that was yeah. a question I was going to ask. And I think that's very important to have that uh, overlap time frame to help pass down yeah. institutional knowledge. That way this kid is not in this position, is not flying there solo, like from the get-go. There's then there's oversight. So I think having exactly. the turnover of leadership in the preceding spring for the next year, I think is a really important step. So thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, I do think it's a very, very important thing. So, yeah, what what happened is, as as we've made that election that week that week before spring break, just before everyone goes on spring break, we've normally got a game either Friday night or Saturday night. If we've got a game on Saturday night, the exec board would meet on Friday night, and we have an exec meeting, and that's where we just lay out all of our expectations for the year to come. Like, hey, listen, you're going to be the new, and we get the old and the new exec board together. So we we kind of bring everyone together. Uh, the new, the old president talks first, kind of lays out what his plans are, and then the new president will just be like, this is what my goals are. And then individually, um, each position, like each, each exec board position will talk to each other, and they will explain what the role is. And then at the end of it, we kind of go over like, right, so if our expectations aren't met, this is this is how we handle that. This is the, the disciplinary actions. Like this. So it's we have a big general, not a general body meeting, uh, a big exec board meeting with old and new where the the new people get all of their roles explained to them. And like, that's also a good time when 
what I what we've done in the past is uh, it's going to sound a bit funny, but I'd, I'd get a piece of paper, right, and be like, hey, if you want to get in touch with the head of the FCC, his name's Kirk. He has his phone number. He has his email address. You want to get in touch with the head coach at UCF. His name's Evan. He has his phone number. He has his email address. You want to get in touch with someone for refereeing? The head of the referees association is Frost. He has his phone number. He has his email address. So you, that's also a time where like all the contacts that you can think of, we try and give it to the guys for for that following year as well. That kind of transfer of information is, is super important. I, I think that's, Kirk, a little bit of being a problem this year. We've had some issues administratively, but I think because that transfer didn't happen last year with COVID, and I think that really derailed derailed a lot of the um, succession planning of a lot of clubs. Like, I would imagine USF probably had some problems trying to deal with that too. It was like that institutional knowledge is lost, and I think it's really important that it's always passed down from year to year. It's also... So that's a lot of the stuff you're talking about and dealing with from the union standpoint. Like, how are your dealings with the school? How is that transitioning? How is that handling? Like, how is how is your relationship with the school? All those things. Like, can you can you give us any insight? Because that's always been a, a troublesome point for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I'd agree. I think I think COVID really shut us down and like we lost a lot of that. I, I was very thankful that I had that one last semester so I could try and pass down a little bit of that knowledge to the current exec board, but at the same time, like I wasn't on exec board for that last semester. Actually I was. I was I was equipment manager, so I'd basically line fields and stuff like that. But I, I didn't want to step on toes and be like, hey, this is how we've done things in the past. I wanted them to kind of figure it out for themselves. But at the same time I was just trying to find that balance between um uh gently guiding and directing as opposed to did anybody anybody ask you for advice? Yeah, so the, the new president at USF, his name's John Carlo. Um, he, so he came to USF in the spring of 2020, and then obviously in March when COVID hit. So he had only been with the, with the club for like, what, two and a half months maybe, or something like that. So, and then it, it also happened that him and I already got friends. So him and I lived together for a year and a half. Um, so throughout that time living together, we kind of were on the, like the, the back foot of trying to set the club up during COVID. And then he got elected as president. So him and I talked quite a bit. And now um, I'm still on a couple of the leadership, uh, like group chats and whatnot. So occasionally I'll get a, a text message or, or a uh, Snapchat or something like that from, from one of the exec guys. Like, hey, where's the registrar's office? Or, hey, how do we rent fans and things like that. But uh, occasionally, yes, occasionally people do reach out to me. But uh, again, it's, it's just trying to find that that you got to let them figure it out for themselves because I feel like if if you teach a man a fish, you'll eat his entire life. But if you keep giving him fish, you'll only eat for a day, right? Yeah, you got to strike a balance in there about uh, efficiency. Yeah, right. They got to learn the lesson the hard way, and then you know, yeah, there's definitely a balance in there. Yeah. Let's. I want to learn about how USF used to do eligibility because when Gordon okay. was around, eligibility was tight. Yeah. Uh, so, how did how yeah. did that happen? Let's let's dig into that one. Yeah, that's funny that you asked me that because I've noticed in our group chat that that's something that's dropped off quite a bit, and I think you guys are struggling with it a bit at the uh, SEC level. <laughs> uh, so, how it was done in the past was, um, as I said, like Gordon at, at the very first practice of of the semester had all the eligibility paperwork printed out. So I think at the time we were part of, like my first, my yeah. first the CERC, year as right. president, we was, 
Yeah, yeah. So my first year at US Air Force Cirque, and then my first year as president was when we switched from Cirque to FCC. So what Gordon did is he went and found all the eligibility paperwork that he could and printed it out. And when I say that, I mean like waivers for players that were in their fifth year, waivers for military vets, like all of that. And he came to practice, gave it to the um, gave it to the recruitment chair, and said, at the end of like. I think it was like at the end of every week or something like that, you need to go into the registrar's office and just keep submitting until we've like got every single person on the team. So uh, our recruitment chair would end up at the registrar's office like for the first four weeks of practice, almost every single week just to get eligibility redone. Whoa. So, like, so Gordon didn't, yeah, so he delegated the eligibility down to the recruitment chair, right? But Yes, correct. He was direct oversight over, like, all over this kid, right? Like, was he on him 24-7 about this stuff or, like, on a, on a weekly basis until he got done? Who, who's that? Was that Gordon? Um, Gordon. No, so, or was he just constantly on you was, and you were constantly on this kid? Like, how, how, did, how did you guys' eligibility always be? Because every time you went and played USF, you better have your paperwork in order. Gordon was going to check it. Yes. So um, Gordon, Gordon would talk with the, the recruitment chair, basically every practice. And so we practiced presenters. Uh, actually, I want to say every practice. Every practice that there was a new guy, Gordon would talk with the, uh, with the, uh, the um, recruitment chair and be like, hey, see that new guy, make sure he signs paperwork and take it. And, so I, and, that's, and that's how we did it. it and then obviously there, there was communication, uh, a, a slight bit in our in our exec board group chat, but the expectation was if you're a recruitment chair, you're on, like, it's your responsibility to see whether new guys come and join, have them sign all the paperwork that they need to sign and get that submitted. So eligibility fell underneath the recruitment chair's roles and responsibilities with obviously the other yeah. side of Gordon over the top of it, making sure it was all clean. Um, yes, yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting process because Starting from the first week, it just becomes normal. If you're anybody here, you just sign the form, submit this, and do all that. Where, you know, like I, I find that it's a little labor intensive, but I definitely think it, it's, if you don't have your eligibility clean, you're, you're in all sorts of trouble. So I, I think it's, it's a pretty cool mechanism to do that of like, hey, welcome to the, I also think it's a great way to welcome them to, welcome to the team. Now complete this document for me and kind of make it an official that you're joining part of the team. I think it's kind of an, a neat thing too. Um, yeah yeah so you've been a president for two and a half years and have been around for a while like what is your thoughts on the sport club model of student leadership mm. like do you think <laughs> do you think like student leadership is sustainable for like you know because like where do you want where where would you like to see the usf rugby team go to right like i mean everyone's dream is varsity status but that's a pipe dream yeah. just because of title nine but like where, where do you want to see the club go and do you think it's sustainable to get there under student leadership um okay so are you asking i think i think uh, there, there's two questions asking, there's two questions in there first off let me get your yeah. thoughts on the sport club model student leadership sport uh, dictated yeah. down by the sport club office let me get that part first yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so I think, you know, from talking with other clubs, I think we're quite fortunate at USF to, uh, 
to have the sports clubs that we do. In the sense we get pretty decent funding and we get and we get decent access to fields. But uh, that's about as far as my praise for sports club, clubs will go. I feel like they. Um, It's, you don't have to pick two words. We all, we, all, we all deal with sports clubs. So, like, I think we all know some frailties with it, but I, I think we just love to hear a student's perspective of what you really perceive sports clubs to be about. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I feel like sports clubs, my opinion on sports clubs is that uh, they're never going to tell you what you need to do, but they'll always come crap on you when you mess up. That's, that's my take on it. And it, it gets incredibly frustrating because it's like, uh, especially, especially like, so our sports clubs is governed by uh, student government at USF. So if there's a student government law that changes, it also changes for sports clubs, and we don't find out about it until we change. So uh, an example of that for is our USF rugby crests. We've always had the crest with USF RFC underneath it, and up until last year, that's always been fine. And then we ordered a new set of kits and we sent it in for design approval, because that's something that we have to do, which I think is another dumb thing, but whatever. So we sent it in for design approval, and the, um, uh, the people at student government got back to us and like, what, what are you doing? You're not allowed to have USF before the name of the club. Um, and this has been a rule for the past two years. Like, why haven't you guys known about this? And it, so that, that's what I'm saying is like, I feel like sports clubs, it doesn't take initiative to, to help you out and tell you what you need. But they're always there to, to hit you when you're down or getting in trouble. How, how, how would you recommend if I'm a brand new president for me to navigate that with sports clubs? What would be what what were some of the things you worked that worked for you to navigate a lot of that? Because obviously, like I know personally, you cop some unfair rulings as the president of the club where you weren't allowed to play in a game because of something that happened that didn't involve you. So like, um, but like, how would you? recommend your handlings with sports club and did it improve or like just kind of just dig a little bit more into like what you'd recommend people to do yeah okay so sports clubs i feel like as an institution it's very kind of run by a corporate structure in the sense that they try to run it like a corporate structure where everything is done by uh they shift the they shift the not the blame but the responsibility of the individual and put it as a corporation so it makes it tough to form a personal connection with people and be able to do that so what i did my first year which i thought was pretty good was i went into the head of the sports clubs office and found the head of sports clubs and then also the the head of in, in particular like like the, the head of the division of sports clubs that did outdoor rec stuff and i went and introduced myself to them and had a conversation with them explained to them my position who i was and ended up getting like direct contact info and that for me was one of the things that helped the most as opposed to like sitting down and emailing your like the the, the student that's in charge of your club i went in and found the person at the very top and that way it was really easy for me just to email that person to like hey i need some help can you give me some guidance on uh say how do i order a field for an exhibition game sort of thing so that, that for me was what really helped the most with sports clubs. so it's going in and finding the person at the top because if you talk directly to a student, there's always someone at, uh, on top of the student. And if I, if I were to ask a student, hey, what, what do I need to do to get um, access to these fields for, as I said, an exhibition camp? No, what would probably turn around is like, hey, I need to go talk to my boss. And then you don't hear back from them. So if you go to the person, what I did was I went to the person at the very top and just like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. How do we do it? 
and I was, was normally got a pretty good straightforward answer out of that. So I'd say the best way to deal with sports clubs is find the ultimate, not quite, maybe the ultimate authority. Find the person as high up to the top as you can and get in good, get in good standing with them. Find the right decision maker. Find that person they have to go with that. So would you say that was probably one of the primary successes of why your sevens tournament was so well supported by the school and why you, like, you guys continue to draw really good, a really good sevens tournament every year? Yeah, so I'd say a big part of that was um, I went to the person at the top, explained to them kind of what we're trying to do. And then on top of it, I also uh, got their like, lowest end staff very involved in it. So like I got a lot of the student staff involved in it to really help us out with it and the coordinating of it all. And it, it ended up being like a um, like a, a project for them. And I think it was something that was different and it grabbed their engagement. It was a lot of fun for, for the people who worked at sports clubs. And, and then on top of it, they were all also invited to the socials after the game. And I think that was something for them that they hadn't really experienced before. So you, you give them that level of enjoyment and that, that buy-in almost. And it's amazing how, how much they're willing to do for you. <laughs> so, so like you bring up some really good points, right? Like so the sport club office is nothing but a bunch of bureaucracy. A lot of the universities, in my opinion, the university is the most bureaucratic place in America. And so, like, the question is, how do you deal with bureaucracy? Like, and the easiest way to do it is by building relationships, right? Like, there, there's yeah. no way to change bureaucracy. You can maybe change it with democratic power, but you can't change bureaucratic power with, with sheer force. It's just not possible. But you can do it with building relationships is what you did by going and talking to the, you know, directly to the higher up, you know, finding the gatekeepers, right? The people that hold the keys and building relationships with them. You know, like, that's why I always say, take a Starbucks gift card to the person in the registrar office, you know, like, cause they, they're a gatekeeper, right? Like they, you need their support in getting the eligibility form back. So that's a really great idea, you know, to, to go and talk to those people, but then also inviting the campus, you know, the facility staff, to the socials so that they're a part of their club. Like that is another fantastic yeah. idea because all you're doing is creating relationships with those guys too. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, so the, the kind of policy that we have at USF is, um, maybe, I'm not sure if they're doing it now, but I think they probably are, uh, just because that's, that's how we've done things in the past. But if you work any of the rugby events, whether you're an athletic trainer or one of the sports clubs people, you're welcome to come to our socials at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, if, if we didn't have them helping. We wouldn't be allowed to play because that's one of the things that sports clubs requires is you need to have an athletic trainer and you need to have those people there. So in a sense, without them there, we don't play. So, so my, my question is twofold. Indirectly. My, so. my twofold question here for you again. So one, just digging out nitty gritty, how would you invite them? Would you send them an email prior to it or you just talk to them on the side of the field? Hey, we're doing the social. Um, and then the second part of the question is, was there behavioral things that you wanted to make sure that because you knew those people were coming to the socials that the players would deal with it, that you'd have to make sure the players would deal with it at the socials too? Um, yeah, so definitely not in an email. Uh, it would be something So a lot of times too, is like a lot of those sports clubs people, we, we know them outside of, uh, outside of rugby. So our athletic trainers, we, we got to know pretty well just because rugby is a collision sport and, you get banged up quite a bit, so you need to get some attention. So we knew our athletic trainers pretty well, and I was always just like, hey, by the way, we're having a social, just a heads up. We do get a little bit rowdy there, so that's what you can expect. And then the sports clubs people, it was like, if they were working at the side of the game, 
most times our games are at two o'clock. It's like the hottest time of the day. And at the end of the game, when we're all pooped and tired and they're all sunburnt and tired too, we'll just walk up to them and be like, hey, we're going out to this bar to have a couple of beers. Uh, there's some, there's going to be some burgers and food there too. You're more than welcome to come join us. The beers will be free if you want to join, but also heads up. We do get a little bit rowdy, so don't hold that against us. So we'll give them a little bit of a disclaimer that things will probably there'll be some rugby songs and there'll be some um, you'll see some people doing dumb things like trying to chug beer or, or something along those lines. But it was always just like the courtesy invite at the end of the game. It was it was never anything like in a formal email. <laughs> Did you make sure that people weren't wearing USF rugby gear at the social with beers around? Uh, no, we never really, uh, not ready because nine times out of 10, the people that work the event, like the sports clubs people would come in their sports clubs gear. And I think for us, the indication, the indicator was if they took their photos off, we had to take our, our stuff off too. But if they came in their sports clubs photos, we were set to go with our USF stuff. Fair. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Evan? If not, I want to get into the question of like, uh, student leadership and, you know, I, any other university related questions, Evan? No, I, I think you've been great. So let's just keep going, dig into a couple more topics. I know you haven't got too much more time left, so let's yeah. go for it. Yeah, like, so what I want to know is like, like, what do you think could have been better at your time with USF as far as like what you got, like not saying like what you guys achieved, like on the park, but like, uh, maybe more, some more traveling or like, what are some things that you yeah. wish might've been better? Yeah. Um, so just from a personal side, we, my first year at USF, we, we did a tour to Ireland and that was, that was insane. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, being immersed in a country where rugby is that big part of its culture was, and then doing it with all your rugby guys too. That was amazing. And I kind of wish that we had somehow managed to pull that off again. And then obviously when we started gearing up to do another trip, I think we we're looking going to Italy and doing some stuff around there. Uh, COVID hit. So I think um, something that something that I would have liked is a little bit more touring. We could have done it in the States and toured around the States. Because I think any sort of like travel time when you're going with, with a team like that, it just it just draws you guys that much closer together. It's so the trip and, to the trip to um, Ireland that that was not just players, but it was also alumni, right? It was any anybody USF could have gone, right? Yeah, correct. But I think we ended up going with 55 people, and of that 55, 10 of them were alumni, and of the 10 alumni, three of them were coaches. So really, there was only eight alumni. <laughs> and who organized that? Uh, the exec board before me. Yeah, so that was all planned through the exec board there. And, and the cool thing about that is I spoke with them too was, so Ryan Brunhan was the president at the time, and he knew that he wanted to do uh, uh, a trip like a rugby tour. So when he ran for president in, in that March before his first term, one of the things he said was, I want to go on a tour. If you elect me as president, you're going to have a second round of votes where I want to get uh, an exec board specifically to running, organizing this tour. And they're like, all right, cool. That's uh, that's kind of how he did that. Was he he was president of of both the um the rugby club and then also the tour, and then he had his own specific treasurer for the tour, his own specific coordinator for the tour, and stuff like that. So he delegated quite a bit, and and I think 
So obviously in our exec board, I think we've got like six or seven positions. And then for the Tour de Ireland, he had like three three additional positions. So there was like four people who coordinated all of that. But they were independent of the um, current exec board just because he didn't want to overload the current exec board with too much because I feel like trying to run a regular season and then also trying to plan a tour would have been quite a bit for, for the guys. So, like, what was Gordon? Did Gordon have any involvement in the tour? Like, was he supportive? Was he like, yeah, that's your deal, you handle it? Yeah, no, he was super supportive because USF's actually gone on a tour before. They went to uh, France, I believe, uh, a number of years back. So his thing was, uh, yeah, you guys organize this. If you need any pointers or tips, I'm, I'm more than happy to answer. But he, Gordon was really good about... Um, the way the way you viewed rugby was well, and my exact thought was this is a time for young men to step in, into a leadership position and try and run a club. And he goes, and they're not going to be able to do that if I'm constantly telling them what to do. But at the same time, his other thing was <laughs> this club's my baby, and I'm not going to let them mess it up. So if I see things going astray, I'll step in. But he he was pretty good about yeah, all right, you guys do this one, off you go. And then if you want any help, just ask me. So Gordon's involvement with Ireland Hall was uh, when the guys started talking about it, he found um, there was a, a company that, that we used, I think it was called like Irish Rugby Tours or something like that. And they, they do rugby tours throughout the world. It's not just specific to Ireland. They, they, they do it in other countries. So he had used that company previously and recommended it to the guys. The guys looked into it and then decided to use that and then kind of planned the tour from there. Got it. But yeah, so Gordon's Gordon's involvement, like when we were actually on the tour, was on days when we had games. He was our coach, and then on days when we didn't have games or practice sessions, he was a tourist. He was he was out and about checking things out, seeing his mates from all over the place. Got it. So uh, why didn't you guys tour more around the states? I mean, if you, like to pull off a tour to Ireland, that's a heavy lift, right? So you guys obviously had capabilities. Yeah. And then why didn't yeah. you? Why don't we end up touring the States? Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer for that one. Uh, I think I think part of it was, part of the reason why pulling off Ireland worked so well was the buy-in we got from that. Everyone wanted to go overseas and go check that out. And it, it just had such a lot to people. Uh, and then if, if we were to talk and go, all right, guys, we to New Orleans to go check out the uh, the Nola Gold training facility and then we'll spend some time in New Orleans. I think, I think a lot of times people would have been like, oh, I've been to New Orleans before, or yeah, that's not, that's not as exotic and exciting, if that makes sense. So a domestic tour probably needs to be built into the dues more as opposed to like an international yeah. tour would be like a different expense that people are willing to pay kind of thing. Correct, correct. Got it. And then, like, yeah. what, what yeah. was the do situation like when you were there? Uh, so I remember my first, my first semester, we paid, well, my first year, we paid $120 in dues. And I remember, like, talking with the exec board and seeing what that $120 did. And, like, they, they stretched it really thin. And I was like, that's, that's not cool. So then we bumped it up to 150 my first year as president. And it's kind of just stayed at 150 since then. And we've, uh, we've got it pretty well done where, uh, We've got it allocated through percentages to what we want that money to go to. 150 so that's, that's what the situation is. a year or a per semester? semester? No, per semester. Okay. Per okay. semester. Right. Yeah. We, we also get a decent amount through the school um, in the sense of like our fields, uh, 
Um, and there, so the, the school really took care of us. And then we also got additional funding from the school as well for like uh, travel, kits and whatnot. So at the end of the day, like Jews really, if, if people were paying for Jews, all they were really paying for was if we were throwing a social for the beer and stuff and then kits as well. That's where the money went with, with Jews. So, so the school would pay for all of our revs and all that stuff. So the... Um... Are you one of the schools that you're technically not supposed to collect dues? Pardon? Are you are you one of the was USF one of the schools that like technically wasn't supposed yes. to collect dues? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, it's voluntary donations. Sorry. It's what I'm is how I'm meant to speak. Got it. Now, Evan, yeah. is it UCF soccer that has a similar like Evan, you've got a workaround for situations like this, right? About dues, not for teams that aren't supposed to collect dues. Yeah, there's, well, there's lots of different workarounds you have to go. So we're allowed at UCF to collect dues, but we're not allowed to make cuts. Not that we ever would in rugby, but like UCF soccer, club soccer, they technically don't make a cut. They just select a travel squad and then that's the squad. So these are team players that travel uh, and that was their workaround. The school was okay with that. So you're not cutting up, you just don't make the team and you're never selected and you're you never allowed to travel because it's even limit the amount of players you want to travel. So there's lots of workarounds with that. Like like Murray said, it's a donation. Everybody has a different perspective of what their club sport wants the clubs to be. Particularly if a school supports you really well, they probably want to limit you have have that. Ours was always a our dues is a fundraising and we we're actually encouraged to make dues. Hey, you should be charging dues because that's a primary fundraising mechanism for your thing. We have to fundraise 200% of what our, our dues are. So what our allocated, so we get allocated $5,000, we have to raise $10,000. So it's just little things like that. And I think every school has those. And I think that's a really important thing that Murray's pointing out there is what's your workaround with that? What's the, and what's the right amount of dues to charge? I think you know, we talk about this a lot for everybody. Like what, how much is enough money there that is enough to run a club and to do that? Like, like Murray's saying, they ran a 150 a semester, but maybe if they charge 200 a semester, maybe they could take a tour every year to a really nice location that the kids wouldn't have to pay for, things like that. So those are the different thoughts that pop into my head around that. Um, yeah, so I think, Murray, from what I'm hearing there, like you guys ran a really well-oiled machine and just kind of that transition through is, is super important. So. Um, what I would, you know, I'm, I'm just very intrigued about the, the, the work on. So Kirk was talking about, um, you know, the, the touring that you could have, you guys could have done. Was there anything else like that in terms of would have made your life easier as a president that you wish could have happened to kind of in reflecting back? There were anything that you were like, man, I wish, wish, wish this was better. I wish we had a better system for this or, or that, you know, like. Uh, was there anything like that, that you can think of that would that you would recommend people to do? Any um, sorry, give me just one second. I'm yep, no problem. Pulling it, pulling in. We're almost done anyway. I think that's almost done too. Yeah. So something something that might have been something that might have been like easier for for us. I think would have been. Uh, thing in the exact board that 
I think our exact board was, it's good. It looks great on a resume, correct? And I think for me, maybe it was, it would have been just on a, on a slight, on a slight side, getting a couple of guys where I thought they there to build their resume as opposed to build the club. And that, that kind of hurt us a bit. But um, I think maybe just a little bit. That, that would have been good. It would have been nice to have left the club in um, good hands, if that makes sense. I feel like I kind of dropped the ball a bit and when I left because I didn't really leave it all too, all too well after COVID. So, so you, uh, it broke up. So you're saying more of the turnover is, is, what, is what you wish would have been better? Yeah, I kind of wish we had a little, bit, I had a little bit more time to drop as much of my wealth of knowledge as I could have. It wasn't, it wasn't as stressful for the, the new exec board. One last question I have for you, Murray. Um, yep. Two, two questions. One real quick. Do you think that, you know, some of these student leadership positions are so important? Do you think it's better for them to be elected or appointed? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I think I think a lot of times there's, there's people who you know you want to lead the club, right? Uh, and there were, there were a couple of people where I knew that I wanted them on my exec board, but they didn't necessarily want to be there. And I kind of had to force them into, into uh, running for the position because if I didn't ask it, like put them in that position where they had to run for it, then they wouldn't have, and I would have, wouldn't have had the exec board that I wanted. So I think, I think it's important to have a democracy and have the, uh, the players have that sort of buy-in, but at the same time, a, a little bit of gerrymandering never hurt. Those are, those are great points. That, yeah, like the, by them having to step up for the election, it's, it's a buy-in process. So that's a great counterpoint. Last thing, um, yeah. are there any um, responsibilities that you think are maybe too important for students and that maybe it should be on like an ad, like a adult admin or coach? Huh. Um, I'm I'm thinking about that one. Give me a second. Uh, yeah, I think I think for me probably eligibility. That was that was quite a big one. That I was very grateful that we had Gordon who knew what he was doing in kind of passing that down. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, it, I threw it at you. You know, like uh, they probably should give you more time to prepare for that one. But Murray, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, yeah, I can't, can't come up with an answer for you right now because, again, I, I do think that a lot of a lot of being on exec board is you wanting to take that leadership position and you should be able to step up and face whatever challenges come your way. And um, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't have an answer for you on that one. <laughs> I I would say scheduling, but um, particularly if you yeah. need to reserve grade games, but. Uh, Murray, obviously, yeah, we've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, you were on a drive to the airport. You pull it into the parking lot. You're on your way to New York for the weekend. So go have an incredible weekend. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and yeah, like best of luck in Atlanta. So you're in Atlanta. So best of luck on the 404. Um, and yeah, anytime any of the clubs go up to Atlanta, make sure you reach out to Murray. Uh, he might help you. He'll definitely help out USF. But uh, any any comments there, Evan? Oh, thank you, Mario. This is very, very 
detailed and uh, super informative. So I think hopefully everybody got a lot out of it and appreciate it. And I know USF for sure is very grateful to have had you on their club. They wouldn't be where they're at without, without you. So I think it's kind of cool to have you come on and reflect back on it. I, I know I'm grateful that you were the president of USF because you made my life easier. <laughs> Thank you very much, Murray. I, I, I appreciate all the praise. Thank you very much, guys. But I also know that I had a lot of help from Gordon, my exec board. So I'll, I'll give a lot of that to them as well. But yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you so much. And uh, well, all the best for FCC this season. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Murray. Have a good weekend, man. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.